0: Hallelujah. So much easier with a graphic. Hey, I've been, I've been doing this thing called blocking and tackling of the kingdom, and I just wanted to throw this graphic up there for you guys to see it. And this is from uh, the leader of our movement. I'm going to be using this a lot. And uh, this guy's name is Jimmy Seibert. But basically the idea is this. In the book of Acts, we read through and we see kind of the only book that we have about kind of a narrative story of what's happening in the church. And what we see is a number of just kind of uh, patterns that repeat over and over again. We also see these things in the gospel, in the life of Jesus. And that is that wherever there is a healthy church established, we see these different circles pop up. We see people getting alone with God. So Jesus, right, it says he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Okay, we see the disciples in different times. Peter's up on a rooftop praying, right? And the Lord speaks to him. All through the the book of the, the Gospels and the book of Acts, we see people spending time with Jesus, right? That, cultivating that relationship one-on-one with God. We see people gathering in, in twos and threes. Jesus has the group of three, right? Peter, James, and John is kind of closest group where he's shepherding these guys that will, that will lead the church after he's gone. We see Paul and Barnabas going out. Luke 10 that Elizabeth mentioned, mentioned Jesus sends people out in twos. Over and over again, we see these small groups because we need to be intimately known by people. We have to be able to get real in life to move forward. Is there any amens out there? Okay, we all have stuff in our lives, and that is the best place for it to get known in a safe space is when you're in a discipleship group two to three, okay? House to house, through Acts, over and over again, it says they started meeting house to house. They're meeting groups of kind of like the ten-ish range, Right? We see just homes becoming church. Okay? As the church is a family, so the family is a church. We see people gathering in homes. We see Jesus gathering the 12. There's something special about this kind of smaller group of people gathering. So over and over again, you read through the Bible, you see these patterns. We also see the church gathered in large spaces. Paul teaches for two years in Ephesus in the house of Tyranus. Jesus is preaching to the multitudes. We see in Acts 2, they're gathered in the temple courts as a large group worshiping and praising Jesus. So this right here, right, is in the Bible, right? A large gathering of people coming together to receive teaching oftentimes, to worship together. Those are probably the two big things that we see in the scripture of that happening. And lastly, a healthy church is always impacting the world around them. They're loving on their neighbors. They're caring for the poor, and they're sharing the gospel with those around them. This is, this is church right here, guys. It's not just Sunday morning. My challenge to you today is I just want to highlight this over and over again and say, hey, which one of these circles is God highlighting to you? Maybe this is your first time in church in a long time, and maybe that's just the next step that God's saying, hey, you need to get to church on Sunday morning. Maybe it's, maybe it's trying to get in a life group, okay, one of our small groups. Maybe it's saying, man, I really need to get around two to three people to be able to share my life and deal with some of the things and, and just be honest and receive prayer. Maybe for you today, it's just, man, I need to get with Jesus. I need to start reading my Bible and praying on a daily basis. So I'm just going to pause for a moment and just ask the Lord to speak to you about, hey, what, what, is there a next step that God is asking you to take? And this is not, a, I'm forcing this on anyone. I'm just saying, this is what is in the Bible. This is what healthy church looks like according to the Bible. And if you don't believe me, just read the Bible. And you'll start to see these things pick, picking up. And so I want to be a healthy person. And so I need people that know me well and I can share my sin or I can share my struggles. Right? I need a group around me. Apologize. That was my symbol to stop talking. Lord, would you just, we just pause for a moment as we're moving into the sermon. Would you just speak to us, God? Is there, is there a next step that you want us to take? Would you speak to us? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And we just trust you, Lord. You're, you're gentle. And you want to lead us. So I just pray, uh, remove any sense of condemnation or you have to do this. We just say, Lord, just show us the next step you're asking us to take and help us, give us uh, faith and strength to to obey to whatever it is that you're you're calling us. So thank you that you give us a light burden and an easy yoke, Jesus. You have promised to give us rest. And so we receive a light burden and an easy yoke that these things, whatever you're calling us to do is what is going to give us the most life thank you for that. And so, Lord, as we open the Bible today, we just say, would you speak to us? We need you to speak. Not Brian. We don't need a Brian encounter. We need a God encounter this morning. Every person here is longing to meet you, Jesus. So help us to open our hearts and to receive what you're saying to us. Thank you, God. Amen. Jade and I have a friend who uh, went through a really difficult time last spring. She's a mom of four and a uh, wife to a, a pastor, and she just got really sick uh, in, in, the, in the sense of like she just lost all of her energy. And it took the doctors a while to figure out what was happening, and, but she just was like exhausted all the time. This is a high-powered woman, homeschooling four children, you know, just high-energy kind of person and she just would have to lay, like, we're talking about days, weeks. She often would just be on the couch for most of the hours of a day. And finally, the doctors just decided, hey, she's got some kind of, a, like, an adrenal gland depletion is what they, they figured out. And so there was really nothing you could do. She just had to rest and hope that it would pass. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'll tell this part, too. Is that okay, Lord, thank you God. yeah, so this is an Antioch pastor. I was just trying not to give the identity away, but maybe you still won't know. So some friends of ours, and uh, the h- she wasn't able to go to this big conference we had last summer, and um, but I knew what was going on, and, and her husband was there. I think he brought some of the kids with him, and um, I just knew we got to pray for him, and so we, we prayed for him. we ended up doing this weird prophetic thing that I just like the Lord said, you need to lift him up on your shoulders like he had just like, you know, won the Super Bowl or something and you're carrying him around the stadium. So me and this other guy, we just lifted him up on our shoulders and we're just praying for him and just declaring that God's going to bring a victory for their family and move them out of this really challenging season. So they're trying to lead a church together and and homeschool their kids and everything else. So he got back and I can't I cannot remember how it happened, but they figured out it wasn't an adrenal thing. She had a parasite They've done a lot of international traveling on missions, trips, and things, and she had contracted a parasite. They put her on medicine, and like within days, it was, she, was, she was fully better. Isn't that amazing? So oftentimes in life, right, there's, there's symptoms that we have that are going on that we're trying to deal with when really there's something deeper underneath that needs to be dealt with. We're in a series right now called Why Complaining is the Devil. And it really is. The spirit of complaining is a demonic spirit. It is a lying voice that is an attack and it's an assault against the character of God. There's nothing the devil wants to do more than to see people malign God's character and hate him. And complaining is nothing more than just saying, God... You are not good to me. You've not dealt me fairly. But what I want to talk about today is what is underneath that. And there could be a number of things, but I believe the Lord is highlighting one thing for us today uh, that is is a good word for us to hear. And again, we're in this word of the Lord for 2019. The word of the Lord for us is to rejoice in the Lord always. He wants to make this group of people, and I'm serious about this, the happiest people on the planet. There is no one that walks in more happiness or joy than Jesus. He was the happiest person that's ever lived, guaranteed. If if joy is a fruit of the Spirit, then Jesus had it in spades, right? He wasn't walking around moping, just, you sinned today, right? Right? That was not what it was like to be around Jesus. Yes, he called people to repentance, but he was full of joy. There's a reason kids would flock to him. Kids, kids understand joy, right? I heard Tim Keller say once, right? Kids get happiness. They look at adults who aren't happy and say, I think you messed up your life. Right? Somewhere along the way, because this is just how we're supposed to be, is just happy. I mean, obviously, kids aren't happy all the time, but okay, you get what I'm saying. That's the word of the Lord for us for 2019. We need to become a people. If We want to get to the next level in the Lord and impacting our community that walk in joy. That people who are around us marvel at how happy we are consistently in our lives. How much joy we flow in. And it is not dependent upon our circumstances. It is because we have a solid rock named Jesus who we can tap into at every moment of our lives. And again, just so you don't get the wrong message, I am not saying we will not mourn this year. I'm not saying we will not face challenges. I'm not saying there's not a place for sorrow. Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrow. He wept when, when his, his friend Lazarus died. But his baseline was always joy because he knew the goodness of his father to him. If we can get this down, you getting tired of me saying this? I'm saying it every week. If we can get this down, the year of vision is 2020. God is going to bring us to a new place of vision, of seeing what is before us in each of our personal lives, but also as a community to reach people in this area and to move forward as kingdom. But this has to be a baseline. God wants us to become the happiest people on the planet. And if we cooperate with him, he will do that. And I'm not saying that we're special more than any other church. I'm just saying that's his will for every group, and I would like to be walking with him to go there. Okay? So today I want to ask the question, what is underneath the complaining? What's down deep at the root of that place that causes us to get real frustrated in traffic, right? Or whine about my kids waking up in the middle of the night again and again and again, right? Yeah. Mercy to Lord, okay? So to do that, we're going to look at the book of Exodus. Remember, we're journeying through Exodus in this series. We're looking at the people of God, Okay? A bunch of complainers walking through the desert, and God trying to deal with them. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. This is an amazing passage. I'm going to give you a couple questions to think about and to talk to the person next to you. So if you want to turn there or pull it up on your phone so you can look back at it, uh, so you're not just hearing it once, but if you want to look at it again, so pull it up on your phone. It won't be on the screen. I don't know if the whole thing can fit up there, so you might just want to pull out your Bible or pull out your phone if you want to look at it again and then think about it with these questions I'm going to throw at you. Okay? All right, Exodus 17, 1 through 7. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. There's a demand. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Mm. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. They're getting violent. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah. If you look in your footnote, footnote means testing and quarreling. Because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us? Or not? Oh, hmm. All right, two questions. What's the problem? What's the solution? What's the problem you see in this passage, and what do you think might be the solution? So, if you want to talk to somebody next to you, great. If you want to just think about it for a minute, and then gonna, I'll jump in. I'll give you a one minute process just, just quickly. Okay? What's the problem? What's the solution? All right. Now let me tell you something profound. The desert is hot. All right, I didn't get much out of that. Here's a second thing. It's also really dry. Okay? Okay. Come on, stay with me. I went to a wedding, a dear friend of mine from college, probably about 15 years ago. It was locally here on the North Shore. The ceremony was at that little, I think it was a congregational church near the North Shore Mall. And then uh, we drove out to, I think it was like a farm or something. I can't remember where it was now. Uh, And it was a really hot summer day. And so the reception starts, and everyone's kind of mingling while they're doing pictures. And we're sipping lemonade and cool water. And we're underneath one of those big tents. It's kind of in the middle of a field. And, you know, it's pretty hot, but we're drinking water. Get some lemonade, mix it up there, get a little hydration, a little sugar, you know, keep you going. And then the dinner started, and it just increasingly got hot during the day as the afternoon sun just like baked on that tent. And it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful meal. They had lobster for everybody, and so you're, everyone's, you know, pulling their lobsters apart, and you're just getting all messy, and the butter's everywhere, you're all sticky. And I, I remember getting up from my seat and walking over to one of the coolers, and it was empty. And then I went to the other one and it, w- it was empty. And I was like, where's the water? And I went and talked to somebody and I said, hey, you know, is there any, is there any more water? And they're like, no, I'm sorry. We've, we've run out. And this was just in the field. So there's not like you just hook up to a pipe somewhere. And I cannot tell you how hot it felt. You've got butter all over your hands. I mean, you're like sticky. You're sweaty from being in that tent. That is probably the hottest that I have ever been in my life. I remember at the end of it, I finally was like, I just, I have to go. I got in my car and just sat there with the AC cranked for like 15 minutes before I started driving because it was so hot. Right? Okay, so just to frame it here for you the Israelites are in the middle of the desert without really a game plan. They're following a cloud. And at night, it's a fire. It's a little weird of an experience for them. Okay? They're in the desert. Their water bottles are empty. It's hot. It's probably not sticky. They're probably not eating lobster. They weren't allowed to. <laughs> but you've got to understand what they are going through. You can't just dismiss this and say dumb Israelites. This was not easy. Right? They've just moved. It, moving's not fun. Okay? They're traveling with little children. No amens to that. Okay, no one's done that before, I guess. Come on, guys. If you want something up here, you got to give me a little bit. Okay, come on. Listen, this was not easy. I'm just trying to explain, right? This was a hard circumstance. And yet, right, there is a problem that we see repeated over and over again. The Lord is not giving them an excuse because the circumstances of their life are difficult. He's asking for this one thing, and it is faith. At the root of complaining is unbelief. God told them already. Let's review what happened. He already told them through Moses, I am going to rescue you from the Egyptians. You will not have to lift a finger. I will deliver you. He told them he's going to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. Meaning it's going to be a very bountiful, lush land where you'll be able to cultivate lots of things and live easily on the land. Right? He told them all these promises he's going to do. And now they get to this place and they start to doubt the word of God. It's a spirit of unbelief that has led them to a place of complaining. And here's how it develops. Right? They get angry with Moses and they make a demand. It's the same for us. When things get hard, we say, God, you need to give me this. It says this in your word. It says you'll provide for me. Where's the provision? We make a demand from God. And that turns into a complaint. Right? They ask this question, why? Why did you bring us out here? Just to die in the desert of thirst? It becomes a repeated refrain for the Israelites. And oftentimes, in our difficult circumstances, we start to ask that same question, why? It's a dangerous question. It's not one that God often likes to answer. We see that in the book of Job. you read the book of Job, it's a great book to look through if you're going through a really hard time. Job never sees the picture that Satan went into heaven and said, you know, let's get Job. But then Satan is put to shame as Job refuses to curse God and die. But God never tells him that this is what was going on. Job never gets the why question answered. It's not a good question for us to ask. And so the people start to, Moses starts to feel a violent urge. I mean, they start threatening him like we're gonna stone you, buddy. Right, it turns into this violent anger inside. And they ask this question, is God among us or not? And I just wanna say that that in my experience, is usually the question that I go to when I am going through a hard time. God, are you really with me? Have you left me? We need to move out of a season or a place in our hearts of unbelief that doubts the presence of God being with us because we are experiencing difficult circumstances. I'm not pretending that this is an easy word. I understand this is a difficult word. But God is expecting us to be able to do hard things. This is what his heart was for the people. He just wants them to trust him to provide. And he has in so many ways. He showed them signs from Moses. The staff turned a snake. The hand pulled out of his coat, turned leprous, then he put it back in. And then he, Moses even was supposed to put some water out of a cup and put it on the ground. It was going to turn to blood. They saw those things right before Moses even went to Pharaoh. He showed them the signs first. It said they believed. Then obviously they saw the ten plagues, the frogs, the gnats, the hail, the firstborn. I mean, all that stuff. They saw all of it. And then last week as we saw at the end, they approach the Red Sea. The Egyptians start coming with their vast army and all these chariots. And they go, what the heck? They start complaining, right? You just let us out here to die. And God does this crazy work, right? The sea parts, they walk through on dry ground and then they get to the other side and boom, the whole Egyptian army is wiped out in a single stroke of water splashing all over them, right? They saw all of these things and yet they still cannot believe God. And then, and then sorry, and then last week too, the bitter water. God had already provided water for them. They got to a place, there was only bitter water. They cha- Moses like struck it, it changed into clean water They've seen all of these things, and yet they still are complaining. Why? Because there's a spirit of unbelief in them. They're not believing the word of God. He told them he would provide for them. He told them he would bring them to a land. He's told them who he is. He's with them. They don't believe it. This is cheesy, but I guess I'll say it anyways. Right? Complaining runs on unbelief. That's what it runs on. That is the fuel. That is the real core of what it is. When we have these little complaints in our lives, it's fueled by an unbelief of God's goodness to us. That he will do what he said he would do in this book. That he would provide for you. That Jesus said, lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Complaining is the symptom. It's time to get the parasite out. It needs to die. The Lord's been just kind of working on me recently, and I think in my life, as a little bit of a type A person, left brain, I'm always wanting to kind of say, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to like, be more loving with my family, and move forward in my, in my life. And oftentimes we can get stuck in this non-gospel way of relating to God, which is that we need to do lots of things in order to grow in our faith and become closer to God. Now there's a piece to that. The Bible says, right, seek and you will find. God rewards those that earnestly seek him in Hebrews 11. There's a piece of that. But I want to show you, I want, I, want, I want to give to you the deeper place right now. Jesus said this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Are you hearing me right now? Our work at its core is trust. It is faith. It is faith to rest in the work of another on our behalf. Guys, the gospel is a beautiful message. What is Paul encouraging the Galatians? You, you, You started by faith. Why have you now moved to a place of works? We get caught up in that same thing as followers of, of Jesus. We say, yes, I put my faith in Jesus. God, I received the forgiveness for all of my sins. But then we often start to say, well, what, what do I need to do? I've got problems over here. God, what are you doing about this? Ah, da, da, right? Okay, I've got I've to pray more. I've got to pray for three hours a day. I've got I've to fast. I've got to make things happen. I'm not saying those are bad. But I'm saying, without faith, it is impossible to please God. this is what it says in Galatians, the only thing that counts. You want to know what God's counting? Here's what he's counting. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Guys, love comes from God. To live a loving life, you have to believe in the love of God for you. That's the only way you can do it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And Paul says in another place, I believe it's in Romans, whatever is not of faith is sin. We don't just receive God by faith, we walk by faith. Not by sight. Not by our eyes on our circumstances. God is calling us to do something difficult, and it is to live by faith and not by sight. To not say, wow, my circumstances are really hard. What the heck where is God? Where is God? Are you with me or not? I demand that you give me this. Nope. We walk by faith. And as a people I'm just saying right now, we are entering a new season where we are going to say I believe this book. I believe every word of this book. What God says is true. Jesus says he is with me always. Jesus is with me right now. Sorry to say the Bible. <laughs> Respect the book, right? Jesus is with me. He said he's with me. He is with me. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16 that when I lay my hands on the sick, they will be well. You know what? I believe that. When I lay my hands on the sick, they're going to get well. That's the only way it's ever going to happen. If I don't believe, it ain't going to happen. Now, why did it happen that time? I don't know. I am done asking why. I am believing this book. I am getting underneath this book and saying, this is the authority of my life, and I will believe the word of God. I will believe the word of God. So when I feel complaining now in my life, when I hear myself complaining, I'm going, there is unbelief. Lord, I repent of unbelief, and I receive your forgiveness. Our, the leader of our movement, Jimmy Seibert, shared a story on his Instagram account. And it was from a, one of a, a snippet of his podcast. And the way our movement started was it was part of a Southern Baptist church in Texas in Waco. And this guy, Jimmy, started this training school. It was a discipleship school. It was like a year-long program, really intense. And, and during these early seasons, they felt like the Lord wanted them to go to the nations. And God put this crazy city on their heart. I believe it was called Ulan Ude in Russia, up in Siberia. Oh, what a wonderful place to go on a missions trip. And so they just felt like this was what God was saying to them, so they went there. And, and a revival broke out. And all kinds of crazy things were happening. People, the Holy Spirit just descending in rooms, people being touched by the Lord, and a church was planted there. They didn't really plan on this, but a church started, so they had to send someone there long-term to start discipling people so they could release it. It's now a thriving church led all by Russians. Um, but this one snippet that he tells is there was a guy, this one guy that became a leader for them for a season. And he, he just said, I need, to, I need to get under the word of God. And he, I think he must have been laying down. They laid, the, he said, put the Bible on my chest. They put the Bible on his chest. And he said, I believe the word of God. And they start praying for him. And as he gets his life underneath the authority of God, demons start manifesting and getting cast out. Why? Because he believed the word of God. So our faith allows heaven to be activated. It allows heaven to break in. Initially, it was we first believe in Jesus, right? Jesus is not barging into our souls. He's standing at the door knocking. And that continues on in our lives, right? That's really what that passage is about. It's about a believer. But it's faith that lets God in. To refuse to shake our fist at God and to believe what he has said. To hold this above our experience and our current circumstances. And guys, let me just tell you, this is what will lead to great rejoicing. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you lots of Christian activities to do. No. No. He will give you rest. But you have to believe the word of God. You have to say, Jesus, I believe it. I'm not saying it's going to cure all of the difficulties in your life. But we have to just say, God, I don't care what my circumstances are. This book is true. I'm not saying there's not a place for apologetics. I'm not saying there's not a place for talking through our doubts and things about the faith. That is all great. But at a certain place of maturity as a believer, it's time to just say the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. My heart is set that what Jesus says is true. I'm done with the spirit of unbelief. Are you guys hearing me here? Okay? It's okay, to, it's okay to question. But in place of maturity, we are grounded in the word of God. So what is the solution to this problem for the Israelites? The problem's is unbelief. Complaining is the symptom. The parasite is unbelief. Well, isn't it so interesting in this passage? Did you catch it? Oh, I closed my Bible because so I was hitting it. Okay. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. He's standing before the rock, and he says, Moses, take your staff and strike the rock. Old Testament professor that I had first illuminated me to this idea in this passage. I'm not saying it's, it's tricky in this passage to determine what's really going on, but it seems right to me. God is standing before the rock, and Moses is striking the rock. God is taking the hit. Now, we don't know what that looked like. We know that throughout these passages and these narratives, there's there's this angel of the Lord figure that speaks with the authority of God that is like a physical person that Joshua meets right in the first, first chapter of Joshua. There's also this Holy Spirit storm cloud fire pillar thing, moving around as they're following. So maybe it was a pillar of cloud that's standing before the rock. Maybe it was the second member of the Trinity at that point and the angel of the Lord character who says and does things that only God can say and do. Just advocating that. I don't think it was an angel. It was actually the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord, the second member of the Trinity. And he's taking the hit for the people. And that's why when Moses strikes the rock the second time when God says, speak to the rock, it's such a huge Deal. Because Jesus would only be struck once for our sin. And guys, there's the solution to the problem. The solution is Jesus. The solution to our unbelief is to come to Jesus and just to repent. To say, God, there are things in this book that I have not been believing. There's things that maybe you've spoken to me personally that I have let go. It's been too hard and I've become discouraged under the hard toil of slavery. It's time to cast that off. If we want to become a people of great rejoicing, we have to become a people of great faith who say no to unbelief, even though our eyes tell us, our physical eyes are telling us, man, this is really difficult. And guys, we need each other to do this. Someone around you needs you to have great faith for their breakthrough. Because when they don't have it, you can step in and say, this is the word of the Lord. This is what the Bible says. This is what God is speaking to you right now. We need each other to do this. And so this is the gospel. Let's have the band come back up. Today, it's just, let's believe the word of God again. Let's see complaining as the symptom of unbelief that it is and repent for any places in our hearts that we have not believed what God's word has said. And let's just review how we repent. We don't grovel before the Lord. Repentance means turn. It means just recognize what that is, say, Lord, I did this, and I am sorry, and now I am going to do this. That is healthy repentance. Yes, you can be sorry for it, But then the real step, guys, is to now say, I am going to believe the word of God. I am going to get under this book, and whatever this book says, I will hold on to it for dear life. And if I keep praying for the sick for the rest of my life and they never get healed, I will still believe that when I lay my hands on the sick, they get healed. You know why? Because the Bible says it. No matter what circumstance I'm in, when I feel all alone, when when I don't feel the presence of God, my life is not based on feelings. Jesus said he would be with me always, and so he is with me always. Whether I feel it or not, God is with me. And some of you need to hear that today. Is the Lord with me or not? God is with you. He will never leave you because he loves you and because he took the hit for you so that you could have him but through faith. We receive Jesus into our hearts through faith. We receive the forgiveness of God by believing, and we continue in that same faith. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Lord, help me transition into response time. So guys, do what you need to do to get before God. If you need to come to the front and kneel down before him because you need to do something physically to make a mark to say, I am done with unbelief, then do that. If you need to confess something to someone near you, do it. But do something to say, God, I have not believed what's in this book. I repent. And by faith, I am going to live my life. Holy Spirit, fill this room. We are done with the spirit of unbelief. This is your word. We honor it and we say we get under this book. And we repent, Lord, for any ways we have not believed you and we are moving forward into great rejoicing because you have good things for those that believe. Thank you, God. So come, respond to the Lord. And let's worship him with great rejoicing. He's provided water for us to drink. Amen.